0: leadership is about giving every single day it's always thinking of your people first and the people that you're there to support you're there to serve them they're your clients and whether they're your employees or your agents and you've got to take that approach it's not a take uh, position it's a definitely give 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 position
1: You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast, containing extra tips, links, and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au here is your host Samantha McLean
2: Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, Editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest today is EVU founder and CEO Manos Finderkakis. As Australia's first multi-brand agency, EVU has enjoyed incredible growth since the model launched in 2015. On the back of the ethos that the agent is more important than the brand. So Manos, finally, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, Samantha, for having us and really excited to be here.
2: It feels like you should have been on the podcast ages ago. I don't know how you've escaped me, but it was fantastic to catch up with you and Maria recently at at ARIC. How did you enjoy this year's event?
0: Look, I've been to 15 ARICs. And we had a number of the team that were fortunate enough to be able to make it, especially from Victoria. We escaped the, the lockdown just obviously pre the lockdown. And out of the fit, I would say it's in the top three of the ARICs that I've attended. We saw a lot of great content, some consistent themes out of ARIC as well that, that, that came out of it. Consistency was one of those themes. Working as a sales agent, smaller areas, working quality over quantity. So some great takeaways and some and the client care programs that so many people talked about. So they were the three things that we really took away and reviewed in our business. So yeah, we loved it. And of course, Jackie uh, Cooper, she was an absolute highlight for ourselves. Yeah, she was sensational.
2: Speaking of takeaways, many of our listeners will be familiar with you because you're a regular contributor to Elite Agent and you focus on how agents can cons- Achieve success through the simple things, I would say. Mm. I want to get into that in a moment. Let's backtrack a bit. So, for some people that don't know you so well, I think you've mentioned from time to time that you've come into real estate kicking and screaming. So, tell us a little bit about how you ended up in, in the real estate real industry. Estate.
0: Yeah, it certainly wasn't a career choice that we had made. I entered real estate at the age of 39 and I came into real estate because I lost a bit with. My amazing wife, Maria, in the carcass, she got into real estate in 2001 because someone said to her that she'd be really good in real estate. And to cut a long story short, at that time, we were running seven franchise hospitality stores, Flaky Jakes, Fish and Chips. I was really heavily involved in a family business. We had 200 staff, imagine all the ages of 16 to 18 years of age you can imagine the hormone levels we had to deal with at that time which by the way didn't really change too much when we entered real estate but that would be another story <laughs> to tell but to cut a very long story short maria had a passion for real estate within one year she knew she wanted her own office but she didn't want to do it by herself she wasn't crazy about the hospitality industry and the level of commitment that that required both from a financial and a from a time perspective and said we'd be really good at real estate. And it was the last thing I ever wanted to do, but I did win lose a bet, I should say. She gave us a bit of an ultimatum and said, honey, it's either me and real estate or you and your family and, and fish and chips. So you've got a big decision to sort of make. I've actually secured a, a franchised office, a, a part of the network that she was with, and you've got to make a choice. So happy wife, happy life, as they say. <laughs> and, and in 2003, I've actually got our 18-year um, anniversary on Thursday, being the 1st of um, July. So 2003, we started our business back then, and that's when I entered in real estate.
2: Amazing. And I think there's a lot of people in the industry that, that would agree with me that you made a very wise and good choice there.
0: Yes. Very, very. And it's been spectacular. I must admit the first nine months of real estate, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a fish out of water. I didn't really enjoy it. I came to work in a denim suit to make sure I didn't talk to vendors and to buyers (laughs) and take phone calls. True story. No word of a lie. And it just so happens one day some buyers came into the office. I was asked by the receptionist to take them to a vacant house, which I did in my denim suit. Not a not a pretty look. I was probably still stuck in the in the 80s, as my wife always says. But to cut a long story short, those buyers actually bought that property just by me sort of giving them the brochure, giving them the price. They didn't negotiate anything. They paid full asking price. I went home that day and I said, "Honey, is that all you do? Is that how <sighs> easy it is to sell property?" And uh, made my first sale. And then of course everything kind of changed from there. Uh, but I think. The opportunity that we had being in real estate for the first nine months and not being on the tools, I was able to work on the administration side, all the back end mechanics of real estate. So it gave me a really phenomenal helicopter view of all the moving parts. And I guess really that's where the start of the EVU story sort of commenced and how we can support agents um, to do exactly the same thing that's what we needed back then. So yeah, that's how that's how it evolved. We ended up selling. We worked worked as an EBU as a husband and wife selling team. I focused on the buyers. Maria focused on on the vendors, and we're selling about one hundred and twenty homes. We did that for three years uh, consecutively. So it was a high volume business, but we really knew what to do. So it was exciting. Three years we kept that business, and then we we commenced the. We took a year off in 2006. And we started EVU at the end of 2006. So it's fast track. It's almost 15 years now. Yeah.
2: On the contrary, I think the denim suit is proof of what they say today about being authentically you in real estate.
0: Yeah, so true. So true.
2: (laughs) I, I I think you can't go wrong. No. So you and Maria work very closely together and we see it a lot in small real estate offices, husband and wife working closely together. Historically, it used to be the husband would be the sales guy and the wife would look after the property management, the trust account and all that sort of stuff. And it's hard. Like, I mean, Mark and I work together in the business and it's 24-7 almost some, some days. How do you and Maria work so closely together as a couple and stay sane?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. We often get asked that. And I think we blended real estate and family all into one. Uh, and we don't separate work to, to family. It's, it's all, all life for us. And I think because we're just so passionate about the industry and the opportunities that it affords and the flexibility that it provides, you can really learn to, to work in this industry enjoy the benefits of obviously what it provides and giving you that flexibility of lifestyle. I mean, we've never had more fun in our lives and it continues every year. It just gets better and better. And it's people talk about getting that work life balance. We, we just, we've never really totally struggled with it at all. It's just part of life for us. And our kids grew up with it as well. So when we entered real estate, they were young, eight, eight or nine years of age and they've grown uh, with us in the business. One of, one of our youngest is in the corporate team with us now. He's almost 25 years of age. Yeah, Costa, he's, he's ama- he's, I know he's my son, but he's an amazing young talent. And he's, and he's an inspiration to our team as well because he's, he's really taken the reins and responsibility of his role and taken it to another level as well. And our eldest son is in social media lead generation. He's expanded and created his own business for creators of omnipresence, helping other businesses, including real estate agents, to generate leads. So as a family, we've we've embraced real estate and been extremely grateful for the opportunity that it's afforded us and the lifestyle that it's provided us.
2: So let's talk about growth because every time I turn around, you've got a, a new office or a new presence somewhere. And most recently in Queensland, which is where we are. So tell me about your growth story from 2015 because what's been your approach to sort of growing the network to the place it is today
0: for 10 years so from 2006 through to 2015 we're growing organically the the network under the EVU group banner and we we expanded to four individual offices and we provided all the essential services so our model was just a little bit different in the sense that you know what it was just easier for us to provide all the essential services sales support, trust accounting, even from reception, branding, the whole collateral that you're required to run an operation. So we provided a vehicle for our directors to drive and we trained the directors to drive it as fast as they can. We were the pit crew that was servicing the vehicle, so long as they didn't, you know, they they drove it forward, left, right, as fast as they wanted, so long as they didn't drive it backwards. And by taking all that backend administration away from them, they could really focus on what they needed to do, which was grow a team and a property management division. But there was something missing. We looked and field exactly like every other network, even though we were quite small at that time. And I said, you know what? We've got to provide them the vehicle, be the pick crew to help them. But from a marketplace position, they needed to choose their own color and personalize the number plate. And that's how our model, your brand, your business was born. It was March the 3rd, believe it or not, it was March the 3rd back in 2015. It was one o'clock in the the morning. I do remember my dates. I woke up Maria and I said, honey, I think I found the missing piece. They've got to be part of that. We've got to provide them all the support, but for them to really leverage their impact in the marketplace and generate more leads, they've got to be their own brand. Because everyone was talking about, The agent being in front of the brand as opposed to the brand being in front of the agent and being in business for themselves, but not by themselves. And it's their business, but no one really provided that sort of platform. They actually could look that individual in the marketplace as an office and dominating a territory and to bring their own personality. You mentioned earlier on about authenticity, and it was really evident to us, especially when we launched uh, Your Brand, Your Business, that as soon as someone came in with their own brand and colors and their stamp uh, and their trademark as such, it just amplified everything. We trademarked Bliss With One, cell With All, so there was still that collaborative approach. And we liken our operation now to us being the Intel chip, the powers, the computer. Everyone chooses their own computer and they brand it the way they want it to. But we're the Intel chip that still drives and obviously powers all the back-end administration.
2: It is interesting because more and more, like they're saying, even in the social media world, that people resonate with a person rather than a brand. So it is is interesting how that has evolved since 2015 when you started.
0: It was really born from the consumer because... I mean, we had agents uh, within our network that obviously moved on or agents that came and joined us from other um, brands. And vendors wanted to list the property with those agents. They didn't really care if they were yellow or blue or red. They just wanted to list with that particular agent. And so we've got to take that customer-centric approach of – What's really good for the customer is gonna be great for the agent and it's gonna be good for the, for the business. And there's gotta be a win-win right through that chain. More importantly for the consumer, how do we obviously look after the consumer and, 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 and serve them what they want and deliver on our promises each and every day. And that's, that's making sure that they can deal with the person they want to deal with.
2: So what do you think are some of the challenges that agents are facing in the current market?
0: Well, there's talk about shortage of listings and I debated that for some time. And look, I predicted when COVID was obviously occurred back 12 months ago, just over 12 months ago. And we did some obviously research at that time. I predicted that the the 20s was gonna be our roaring 20s just like it was in the 1920s because history has a funny uh, way of repeating itself. As long as everyone remains safe and well, that's the priority. From a financial point of view, I saw a boom coming, and we really prepared the team for that. But the challenges that people are talking about right now, shortage of listings, they're not actually looking at the numbers. They're actually not a shortage of listings. We've got more turnover now in just about every single marketplace that we work in than what we did in 2017. There's probably 30 to 40% more transactions occurring. So when vendors are telling sales agents, oh, I'm not sure about, Selling my home because I don't know where to go to. This is the time for them to to actually sell because there's more properties coming onto market to select. It just because days on market has been so compressed that it seems like there's a shortage of stock when there's actually quite a bit of stock. So the numbers always have a philosophy and the numbers set you free and predict the future. And if you analyze the numbers, as an agent, all your challenges can be really solved. So when people talk to me, I I have a prospecting challenge. But if you reverse engineer and say, well, what have you done? Because our results today are in absolutely direct reflection to what we did six to 12 months ago, and if not longer on my daily uh, communication with my team, I just shared some snippets and today's communication was, okay, we're coming to the end of the financial year. Let's just review some of the basics that you you could have done from the beginning of, of the financial year. I said, if you added five people to your database on a weekly basis from the 1st of July, 2020, you should have approximately 250 extra names on your database. Now, when you do the maths, and you say, okay, 10% of those people are going to sell over the next 12 months because they're in real estate mode. It's just, if you look at the numbers, if you're selling average commission of $15,000, there's a potential out of those 250 to be approximately $375,000 worth of GCI available to you as long as you nurture those clients. I'm not saying you're going to get 100%, but you're more than likely going to get 80% of them. So the value of data and not looking at a person's name as an entry in your CRM is data but an actual person I always say get a picture of them so when you look at them it's not it's not data you you'll have a different perception of the value of of that contact
2: i couldn't agree with you more i think people talk about databases way too much and don't think about who the people are yeah, you know that, exactly. that they're talking to I mm. i'm on i'm on databases yeah <laughs> i know how it feels yeah exactly <laughs> yeah You are a regular contributor to Elite Agent and your articles are very well read. I I think I I check most weeks and they're always in the top 10 trending list. And it's mainly due, due, I think, to a lot of the great tips that you provide. You just provided some great tips there as well and some leadership advice. So today we're going to do the leadership diaries with you, which is a bunch of questions that I ask leaders in the industry to find out what makes them tick and hopefully help Young and aspiring leaders, which is right right up your alley, actually, like creating brands and businesses. Well, our our with mantra agents.
0: is to help and inspire leaders and agents to create fun and profitable businesses so they can live an extraordinary life. Yeah. Um, that's our mantra. That's what we live by. So well,
2: let's have some fun then. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. What was your first job and what did it teach you?
0: Oh, I was a car wash um, attendant. At the age of 15, the day I turned 15, when we were allowed to actually get our job, I, I got my first job. And what that taught me was being disciplined to arrive at work on time, the, the work ethic. If, if, if there was anything that I learned from my first job, it was the work ethic and the responsibility you had to the employer and obviously to the clients in, in doing a great job.
2: What's one common myth about leadership, particularly in this industry, that you think you would like to set straight?
0: Yeah, leadership is, is, well, it's probably not a myth. It, it is lonely at times. It's, it's really a lot of hard work. There's a lot of decisions you have to make and a lot of things that um, come your way. It's not as easy as people think. And to give guidance to someone who's thinking about taking that role, it's real, you've got to be a real giver, okay? Leadership is about giving every single day. It's always thinking of your people first and the people that you're there to support. You are there, you're there to serve them. They're your clients and whether they're your employees or your agents, and you've got to take that approach. It's not a take uh, position. It's a definitely give, give, give position.
2: What does the first hour of your day look like and how does it go after that? Are you like a a. 5am clubber or?
0: Yeah, no, so I definitely am an early riser. So, but I, I, I run a program called Game Day. Okay, it's a great question, actually. It's something that uh, I really focused on when COVID was launched and we actually run it with the team. And Game Day stands for gratitude, affirmations, meditation, exercise, a uh, daily journal, journal, always be learning, and your why. Hmm. I start the day with that. So the first thing we do is we, we take out our gratitude journal, we look at our affirmations, we use our meditation, I go for a walk every morning. Now, it doesn't happen every morning, and I always say this to our team, because it's a program we run with our team, and say, you've got to fit it in during the day, because sometimes you've got an early run to the airport, sometimes you've got an early appointment with someone, and you might miss it, but just make sure you're fitting in your day throughout. at some point in your day. So I'll often, if I miss my walk in the morning, I'll go home at lunchtime if I'm anywhere near home or I've got my runners in, in my car and I, I do my exercise during the day. But game day is how we start our day, yeah.
2: I love the acronym too. Yeah. It's really good. Okay, who are the three most um, influential people to you in your career and why?
0: Oh, gee whiz. Definitely Lee Woodward. He was probably our first coach that we went to and the, the Hot Topics uh, a CD. So Lee was very instrumental in regards to understanding the real estate process and applying that. So always, I think everyone has a, a lean towards their first coach in real estate. So definitely Lee in that sort of regard. I admire absolutely Chris Hanley and he's been a major influence to us in, in real estate. And there's been a number more people, obviously John McGrath from afar. Not that we 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 know John on a on a personal basis, but definitely from afar. And I think we take away lots of little things from everyone, Samantha. There's there's not I really like to sort of see the the differences uh, and the approaches that different people take from, from Tom Panos, Josh Fegan, and I really take a lot. From the coaches in the industry and then the individual leaders within the industry, like Dane Atherton and Chris Hanley, who's running um, his business, Phil Harris, and we've known Phil for for many, many years. And then I'm also inspired by the no names, okay? The people that you actually see who aren't up on stage, who aren't on, on the speaking circuit and so forth, and who do absolutely amazing things, the quiet achievers, and the gold that comes out of those. So, yeah, and there's lots of those.
2: It's funny, I'm inspired too by people that just kind of wander in and you interview them and it's like, oh, wow, that's really interesting what you do, you know. Yeah, yeah. and it still happens even mm-hmm. after five years.
0: Yeah, and there's too many to mention as well. Yeah. Like I think one thing about real estate that really I, when we first came into it, the giving, I think real estate agents are some of the most giving people and generous people on the planet. We certainly don't deserve the reputation that many of the community or the the stereotype reputation that we have out there. They're the most giving and generous people out there.
2: Definitely. Looking back, what do you think was your biggest learning experience as a leader?
0: Biggest learning experience? I can make anything look great on an Excel spreadsheet, anything all numbers and so and and we've built our business on numbers but the emotional side of this industry and the ups and downs of this industry in so many aspects and in every area of real estate is is the one that you've really got to master it's the the mindset that's the the biggest thing that you really have to master and that's been my biggest learning experience because i'm a numbers person i'm kind of like black and white sort of thing. The numbers sort of work out, but then you've got to attach the emotional side of it and go, okay. And so many people are different. And probably one of the other things as well, that there's never a one size fits all in this industry. What I've learned is there's a vendor for every agent, an agent for every vendor, an agency for every agent, and an agent for every agency. And when I um, think of that, because I, I remember when we first started, we'd interview some people to join our team. And if they weren't like me, I'm thinking I would never list my home with them because I thought if I would list my home with them, they'll be a really good fit. And it's furthest from the truth. They've got to have the integrity, the honesty. They've got to have, like we focus really on clients being client centric. What will they do for the client? How far and above and beyond will they go? How they get to that point is really irrelevant because they're going to find their tribe. We've all, we've all, all us agents who have been out in the field know that when we lose a listing to a particular agent, we think to ourselves, how on earth did that person list that property? Do you know what I mean? Because we think they should be like us, but it's, it's, that, was, that's a, that was a really big learning curve and that really helped us in our business as well.
2: It's so true. And somebody wise told me a few years ago for every ugly house, there's there's an ugly buyer too, (laughs) (laughs) right along the same thought pattern. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. What's your favorite question to ask someone in a job interview and what does it tell you about the person?
0: I always talk about client experience. So client experience for us is I always say to them, how have you give me a, a story about how you've gone above and beyond for your clients And then i also ask the question, how do you cooperate with your team members? Because look, if you're you're client-centric, what we've found is you're really team-centric as well. I've never met anyone who's client-centric who's not team-centric as well. So that's what we really focus on. And in a sticky situation, if you've had a disgruntled um, client, how do you handle that? And that response, that's huge how they talk about that and the passion that they talk about it with, like they really want to help, the they, they, they have empathy for the clients rather than having a wall to the client. And when they understand that not all business is good business, but the way they let it go, it tells you a lot about a person and how they behave.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like whether it's a learning experience or whether it's just something that, you know, is wrong i guess yeah, yeah. yeah they're wrong <laughs> they're, they're having to go at me they're wrong what yeah. whereas what can i learn is a completely different disposition
0: mm. emotional iq it's all about that
2: yeah where do great ideas in your business come from
0: ah oh, from challenges definitely so we see opportunity so when we see a challenge we see an opportunity i'll give you a classic example which was fundamental in our business When we were expanding and opening up other offices, organic, and people wanted to open up their own office, and then we had to train them, train their staff how to do the trust accounting and how to do administration. It was all too hard because they weren't really great people, people and leaders in that sort of from an administration point of view. So that created an opportunity for us. I'm thinking it's just more affordable for us to actually do all the work for them, and it was. So we created a business to do the trust accounting with the same thing we did with the bookkeeping business. And we've got separate businesses that actually support other businesses outside of EVU in specialist fields. So whenever we see a challenge, we, I I, I try and find the opportunity. And that's how the ideas, the great ideas come out.
2: I love that. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. Okay, this this is a good question for you. What does leadership at home look like?
0: my best man set up fantastic line at our wedding and he goes manos you'll always wear the pants in the family but maria will always choose the color and, <laughs> <laughs> and look quite truthfully we have uh, an amazing i've been blessed and uh, i've always said if my boys are half as lucky as me they're going to have an extraordinary life with their with their life partner and and lucky enough they've, they've been great as well so I think just having great communication at home, just having fun with everything. We're, we're a husband and wife, so we do the exact same things as every other husband and wife. And I, I think that's really healthy at the end of the day. We're very, very blessed that with work, we're, we, we don't see it interfering with our lives, that we might talk about it at the kitchen table uh, or amongst the kids so we have very, we've had goals, very common goals ever since we met. A quick story on how we met, backpacking around um, Europe when I was 21, met her. She was 17 years of age. Three weeks later, we got engaged and the rest is rest is kind of history. We, we did a bit of the islands together and then she's come back um, to Australia. So she's an amazing individual, didn't know English or anything like that. So when she came, when she was 18, had to learn um, English and obviously she's She's loved this country and we've always had that connection to Greece as well. So we've always traveled back there. So we've had a real balanced life, Samantha. We've been blessed. We've, we've had our ups and downs and stuff like that and from health challenges as well. But we're very, very grateful. I say to people, it feels like a fairy tale on many occasions. So, yeah.
2: I think that's what attracts a lot of people to you guys is that feeling of family.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you. And yeah, it's, but it's all about family and we do treat workers, family. Some people have said about business, it shouldn't be family because sometimes you have to exit people. You don't exit people from your family and stuff like that. And I said, you know what, that's our authenticity. That's that's our DNA. We treat everyone as our family and we treat everyone with kindness, compassion, empathy. We're not about how much volume you, you sold. So our definition of high performance is totally different. Well, to probably what most people would think, how many homes you sell. We always talk about how well you treat each individual. High performance to us is do you get repeat uh, clients from the people that you actually deal with that to us is a better measure than selling 50 homes in a year. It just, it just is. And we rather have more of those people than people who are going to churn and burn clients.
2: That's a really interesting statistic that you raised there, actually, because a lot of people are obsessed with how many properties they've sold in this industry. Like that's that's the number that everyone talks about. But you know, how many clients are repeat business, I think, is a lovely way to look at it.
0: And I have a saying a volume is vanity and profit is sanity. Because sometimes agents aspire and some agents aspire to sell the most amount of homes. It has nothing to do with how much profit they're, they're, they're left with. And that's okay too. If that's if that's what drives them, I think that's a really big tick. So long as all the other boxes are ticked as well, client service, great camaraderie amongst the team, all those sorts of things. But... There is a tipping point as well. I call it the law of diminishing returns that some EBU's and some offices actually grow to a size that if they grow any further, their profitability actually goes backwards. And we call it the law of diminishing returns. And in most businesses, there is a tipping point where you go, we've hit saturation point and maximizing the profit.
2: We actually found that too. We did a survey, the top areas agents, and we found that once you go beyond four in the team, there is diminishing returns. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the picture.
0: Yeah, that's it's, and even from an appraisal point of view, when we spoke when we speak to high-performing agents that have and they're doing like two million dollars within a team, it's the number of appraisals. If you're going over, it's the magic number is between twenty-eight to thirty-one appraisals a month. When you go over that, your actual customer service and delivery actually starts to diminish because you you, cope, you can't cope with that volume.
2: That's the start of a new podcast but let's finish this yeah. one first. <laughs> How do you motivate people when times are tight?
0: I don't know if you can motivate people. I think you can inspire people but motivating it's got to be it's got to be from themselves. We, we, we I always try and give examples of where they have been. Always we use what we call the reverse bucket list. OK, so one of, one of our training programs, a reverse bucket list, because sometimes we always focus on things that we want to achieve in the future. But we need to focus on our successes of the past to keep us inspired. And hopefully that motivates us. So, for example, if from an agent's point of view, if your goal was once to sell five homes in a month, put that on your on your reverse bucket list to always remind you hey, I did it once, or if you better a competitor or you exceed an exceptional price, or if it's a, a, a personal achievement, like something crazy, like walking 50 kilometers on a walk, just remind yourself of your past achievements to fuel you for, for the future when you're down and so forth. So reverse bucket lists are really important to us as much as vision boards.
2: Yeah, I like it, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. I might go and do that myself actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. When it comes to, you mentioned a few of your favorite resources and mentors and things like that, but are there any books or resources that have helped you along the way? Cause we like to sort of leave a couple of links to the books and things like that in the show notes.
0: Yeah. I think the first book that I read coming into, into real, or actually I won't say um, real estate into business was how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. And I think that's an absolute must for leaders um, if you want to influence people and you want to have a great way of connecting with people, I think it's 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 a hundred year old classic um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I think it's it's a must read. One of the most recent books uh, that I read that had a, r- a major impact is Die with Zero by Bill Perkins. So I'm not sure if you've heard of that that book. No, I haven't. Samantha, it, I read it about six months ago. Actually, I actually just had the, 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 the Blinkist short version. So I haven't read the full version, but just... And it really, really made an impact in regards to sometimes what we aspire for and what we want to achieve out of life. We're already there and we don't need to keep going. And die with zero is... It really gives you some clarity in your why. I have a saying that everything falls in place when you truly know what you want. And I think that's, and you asked a question earlier on, and I I should have made mention that most most agents, challenges, or directors is they don't truly know what they want. They think they know what they want, but they don't really know what they want. If that kind of makes sense, they might aspire to have a thousand property management, for example, or build a team of 20 agents, I've had more directors who aspire to that. And then suddenly they put on one or two team members and they go, you know what, this is just getting too hard. I'll just focus on being a great EVU, making a lot of money and reinvesting my money in property or something like that. So when you truly know what you want, everything falls into place.
2: That's great advice. And I'm going to go look up that book now.
0: It's a good one. Die with zero.
2: Yeah. Amazing. So Manos, it's been great catching up with you and thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us on, on the podcast. I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that are going to get a lot out of some of your answers and some of your thinking as, as well as the articles and things like that that you write for us. So thank you very much for those as well. I was just wondering if you have one final thought or one final piece of advice or something that you think people should, the one action that you'd like people to take as a result of listening to this podcast today.
0: The number one thing is to, uh, probably going back to um, the reverse bucket list, is really looking back at their past achievements to help them move forward to their next achievements. Really go right back. And say, "Yeah, I did that. I did that," and really congratulate themselves and pat pat themselves on the back. Because I, I think the words that we use to talk to ourselves sometimes are the, some of the cruelest words. So if if people can obviously look at their reverse bucket list and see the, their past achievements, I think it will really help them moving forward, and obviously in their in their current current place.
2: It's amazing what we can do when we set our minds to it, yeah. or when we think we can.
0: Yes, 100%.
2: Absolutely. Manos Finderkakis, thank you so much.
0: Samantha, thank you so much for having us. I really enjoyed it.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit eliteagentelevate.com.